You can turn to Ephesians second chapter. And as you turn there, think about it's a time for change and a time of grace. And you can put a subtitle on that is put down dead or alive. Dead or alive. When you hear that, what comes to your mind? When I think of dead or alive, I think of those old Western movies and how they wanted somebody, and they wanted them so bad they didn't care how they came. They were up there, take them dead or alive. And they wanted them so bad, oftentimes it was dead or alive, that the boundaries were worth just as much as if they were dead or if they were alive. They didn't care as long as you got that person. But what we're going to look in into the text, we're about to see that you too at one point had to choose were you going to be dead or alive? Were you you think about death. Have you ever been to a funeral? And did you ever see somebody jump out that casket? Have you been to the funeral? You seen how, no matter how much they cried or how much that weep, did that person come up and tell them it's going to be all right? They sang their favorite song. They read their favorite scripture. That, did that person dead in that casket? Did, did they respond? No. Why? Because dead people do not respond. Death has nothing to give, and there's nothing to take away. It's dead. It has nothing. It's worth nothing. But when you're alive, you're able to respond. You're able to give words of encouragement. You're able to pat somebody on the back. You're able to do some good deeds. But when you're dead, it's fruitless. It's worth nothing. Tell, ask somebody, are you dead or are you alive? Because if you're alive, you're giving something. If you're alive, you're full of vigor. You're full of excitement. You're full of joy. But when you're dead... You're like ice cold. Sometimes we went to places and you said it's dead here. Mean that there was not, the, 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 the life was not there. The joy was not there. Many of us back in our partying days, act like we don't party now, but we used to go to a party and say, this party's dead. Meaning the people are not having a good time. It's not fun here. And, and there's a little joke how the minister preached a message. And he said, church, you will be the first to rise. And the person came up to the minister after the church and says, uh, pastor, what does it mean that we be the first to rise? What well, the pastor said, the dead in Christ will rise first. We walk into churches, it feels like we're dead in church. Act like God is not alive. We walk around with our faces down, walk around like Pastor Brand would say, like we've been baptized in lemon juice, come up with all pruned up in the face. We walk around sometimes that we're dead. But when you look in the text of Ephesians second chapter, Paul said at one time, at one point in your life, you were dead. Now he's talking to those who confess. Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. You do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Well, I, I'm going to have to call you a name. I hope you don't get too mad at me, but you're dead. You're walking dead. You're living dead because you're living dead in your transgressions and your sins. You're dead to God and alive to Satan, but you should be alive in the spirit. When you call on the name of Jesus, you're alive. Some of y'all looking at me smiling. Some of y'all look at me kind of funny, but then you, I want you to wake up and walk away here alive and start walking dead. Read it from the New Living Translation, Ephesians 2nd chapter. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience, and your many sins. 
used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the prince of the air, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. He's in, in the other translation, he's working in the sons of disobedience. All of us used to live that way. You see that there, all of us used to, past tense, live that way, following the past and the desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But, our very na- but our, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Because of our disobedience, we're subject to God's wrath, just like everyone else. But I like verse 4, first word. That first word or first word is what? But, aren't you glad for some butts in the Bible? If it wasn't for some butts, man, where would we be? I, I'm glad there's some butts. Uh, it here says, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, uh, and he loved us, as so, his love is so great uh, and so immeasurable, so magnified, verse 5, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and sealed us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you cannot take credit for this is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece or workmanship or creation. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece, his creation, that he created to do good works long ago. Seeing Paul's writing to the, the church of Ephesus and writing this, and this is oftentimes believed to be a circular, a circular letter. Not only did it go to Ephesus, but many churches around the area that, that Paul wrote this along in conjunction with Philemon and Colossians, that he, he wrote this in prison and at a time, but yet he's writing to this church, encouraging them how they should no longer be in, be, be of this world, but be in this world, but be of Jesus. Time for change. We need to look in our lives and start looking. Am I satisfied with who I am? The popular song by Michael Jackson says, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Saying it's time to make that change. Woo! Na-na-na. You know, you know, he got excited at that time. You know, you used to be excited. It's time to make that change. It's time for you to wake up and stop being somebody dead. It's time for you to wake up. And start living alive. Talk to me if you will. It's time for you to see that you once were dead, but now I am alive. Am I talking to somebody here? Hello, McFly. Is anybody there? I once was dead, uh, living in sin, but now I'm alive. And when I look at the, the record, the Bible tells me it had nothing to do with me. But because how rich my God is. Let's look at the comparison here. Paul talks about man. Man is dead, living in sin, living as sons of disobedience, 
under control of the prince of the air, the, the devil, the evil one, and gratifying the lust of the flesh and the mind. And all that equals is death. There's no profit from it. There's no joy from it. All you're going to have is empty pleasures. Paul says at one point, at one time in our lives, we all have been there. Have you been there? You got to admit it. You got to admit it because you can't admit that first step. Then, then, then you are still going to walk out here dead. But if you can admit at one point, I try to satisfy my flesh. I, I, I try to get drunk like everybody else. I try to get high like everybody else. I try sleeping around like everybody else. I, I try stealing like everybody else. I try gossiping like everybody else. I was living a dead life, thinking I was alive. I was spending time with dead friends, going to dead places, doing dead things, waking up. Why do I feel dead? But... Verse 4, right? But God. God is, now look at the description of God. God is so rich. Somebody say, how rich is he? God is so rich that he has enough to spare. God is so rich, he doesn't have to work anymore. God is so rich, he can give you everything that he has and still have more. Think about it for a moment. We, we, we think our country is so rich, but yet we are scared of this recession. We're going to claim we're the greatest nation, but yet we owe other nations more money than we have. We're going to talk about how we are so powerful, but we're scared of China. See, see, we get caught up thinking because I have something that makes me great because of my treasury or the note of my bills. But when I look at the Bible, I don't say I'm great because how much money I have or how big my house is or, or how, how much my rims spend or how much uh, my, my car costs. But I am rich because of God. Uh, for some of y'all that in stock chains and looking for the market, we, we, we right now in a bear market. <laughs> but God is a bull market. <laughs> buy, buy, buy. Buy everything that he has. Buy into his mercy. Buy into his grace. Buy into his love. Uh, you'll never come up empty. You'll never come up broke. Because he is so rich, what you buy into is a gift that keeps on giving. Look, 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 you see it there, but God is so rich and his love is so great. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead, even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. That, that's when somebody's rich. Have you been to some people that you ask them for money? They ask you what it's for because they want to make sure they make it a good investment. They want to make sure that money doesn't go to waste. But God is so rich. God's love is so great. Even when you were worth nothing, <laughs> he gave you everything. Even when you had nothing to give, he gave you all that he had to give. Even when you couldn't say thank you, he already says you're welcome. I'm talking about God saw you where you were, saw how dead you were, saw that you were living in sin. But he says, you know what? I'm going to give you life. Think about it. It's to the elementary level. A mother and a child. 
When that child is dead to the parent, when the child is being disobedient, child won't eat their vegetables, child won't clean their room, child won't obey mama, come in when you told her. As soon as child comes in, mama don't say, I'm going to give you more. Mama and daddy probably smack child down. Mama and daddy probably send child to the room with no dinner. But God sees a discipline and says, you know what? What else do you want? His grace is so amazing. Think about it. God realized that what you want, you're not going to get out there. What you want, I have, and I have it to give. You want to desire, you have the desire in the sinful world being under the unction and under the obedience of the sin of Satan that you want to feel your flesh. You want to feel the lust of your mind. But God says, I've come here to give you life. Jesus says, I've come. I am the good shepherd. And I come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. Jesus says, I give you joy, not as the world gives you joy, but as, as I give you joy. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but as I give to you. I'm glad that what God gives us is pure and perfect, that it can defeat whatever the enemy thinks he has us with. At one point, we were dead. Look at it. Look at it. At one point, we were dead, but God desired, the text says, how God desired to make us an example for all the ages to see, to see how God can take someone who is dead and make them alive. Do I have a witness here? Do you need some assistance? I'm, let me talk a little bit more. Jesus was walking all the to go to see Lazarus. But Lazarus was dead. He wasn't dead just for one day. Wasn't just dead for two days. Lazarus was dead over three days. And, and yet, what people believe in that time, that after three days, the spirit was gone. After three days, there is no, there's no redemption. After three days, the body's decomposing. But Jesus shows up on the scene. He sees the compassion of the people. And he said he too went with them. And he, he was talking to Mary. Mary said, I, I believe in the, in the resurrection, but I don't think he's going to come back. But Jesus says, Lazarus, <laughs> come forth. And Dr. Gardner Taylor, he, he, taught, he tells it this way. He said, the reason why Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Because Jesus has so much power in his word that if he just said, come forth, everything that was dead <laughs> would have got up and started walking out those tombs. So therefore, to show his great power, he just simply said, Lazarus, come forth. I'm glad that I serve a God that knows my name. Does he know your name? And he can call on your name. And you too once were dead, but when he calls you out, you can walk around like you're alive. Do you see the power in our God? Our, 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 our fate does not rest in this economy. I, I know it's, it's getting close to a lesson, but our fate does not rely in this election. I was joking with my dad. I said, what's the worst care that can happen? I said, they can't put us back in slavery. You know, I, I, you know, sometimes we get so caught up that we forget the main thing. That if I die today, where will I be? Will it matter that I cast my vote? Will, will it matter that I had a million dollars in the bank account? Will it matter that my book was the number one seller? Will it matter that the raptor was filled from, 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 the, from the balcony to the, to the choir stand? Will that matter? And all that will not matter if it was not for Christ. See, God said, look here, 
By grace, by grace, we have been saved. What is grace? What is grace? God's unmerited favor. And when you look in this text, you see here it says, by grace, you have been saved. That's a very potent word, the way they put it together. By grace, you have been saved. Look at it here. By grace. What was grace? Grace was the act of Jesus. Being tried for blasphemy. Grace was Jesus being taken in by the Pharisees and the temple guards, being betrayed by Judas. Grace was before they came to get him, Jesus washed all 12 disciples' feet. Grace was Jesus telling his disciples, I am praying for you so that when I'm gone, that God will keep you and protect you from the evil one. Grace is that when they got to him in the, in the garden of the Gethsemane, and it took him that they decided to spit on him and slap him, say, prophesy who hits you now. Grace was him just looking at them and, and praying for them, interceding in equality, saying, I'm dying for you. Grace was when they turned them over to the Roman guards, uh, they decided we're going to have some fun. So Pilate told us to crucify him, but before we take him to the cross, uh, we're going to call every guard that's in the garrison to come out and play a game with us. Uh, what was that game? That game started out with them sewing some thorns together. And putting on his head. It started off with them taking off his clothes and putting on a robe. They put a stick in his hand and bowed down to him, mockingly worship him. And then they got so excited, they took the stick and hit him on the head so that the thorns will pierce his scalp. They slapped him. They beat him down. Not only that, they also flogged him with 39 lashes of the whip. A whip that was, was sturdy by either bone or metal that had some cattails, some maybe what we would say fish hooks at the end, that when it touched his skin, it would rip off his skin. And some people's skin got ripped off so much they say you could see the entrails, or in other words, the insides, and see their bone. Oftentimes people died from being whipped from this punishment, but not our Jesus. Grace had him endure all that for the sake of the cross because grace saw the cross. Grace saw us dead and not alive. Grace saw us living in sin to be separated from God for all eternity. Grace saw that I, only I can save you. Grace saw that when you call on my name, you shall be saved. So grace, you have been saved. Do you see that there? <laughs> For by grace you have been saved, not by works, so that no one can take credit, so that no one can boast, so that no one can say, I did it. But it was by grace, and it's through your faith you believe. God, says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit from it. When you have faith enough to believe that Jesus did all of that for you. And when you see that Jesus did all that for you, look at the glory we have from this. It says that we are now seated with him on the throne. Did you not see that in the text? That we are now seated with him on the throne. I had to read that twice. We are seated with him on the throne. That shows how Jesus says you are co-heirs with me. 
Paul writes about that in Romans, that we are co-heirs with Christ. Because no longer Jesus said, I call you servants, but I call you friends because you obey my commandments. I, I want to see how great this love is. This love is so great that I will take you who spend majority of your life not living for me, but I want to spend the majority of my life living with you. I, I wish I had a witness here. Jesus saying, I'm going to take you who, who, do not, who did not know me from the pardon of your sins, who, who was living in a sinful life, living dead to me, but yet I will make you alive with me and in me and your rule with me. That's an entourage I want to be a part of. <laughs> VH1 got a show about trying to be superstars friends, to hang out and party with them. But they have nothing to give. But yet, I have a friend in Jesus <laughs> who told me that in my father's house are room of many mansions. That when I go to prepare a place for you, I, I will come back so that you can be with me. Jesus lets us know that when you call on my name, you shall be saved. Jesus lets me know that in his father's house in paradise, there'll be no more pain and no more suffering. Jesus lets me know that in his father's house, uh, in this new Jerusalem, in this new kingdom, there'll be a place where the light will shine because we won't need the sun because because the Father and the Son will be the light. I see that this season for change is right now. I should be changing each and every day. Jesus calls us to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow him. I need to follow him all the way to the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, before he even got there, he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. A lot of us are doing a lot of our will. We haven't submitted to God's will. We're still walking around living dead, walking around like zombies, living in shadow areas, living in dark places, but we are called to be the light. We are called to walk in the light, to live in the light, to be called to Jesus' mother. Am I talking to somebody here that understands that no longer am I walking dead, but I'm living alive. No longer am I going to walk under sin, but walk under his grace. Oh, how great, how rich is his grace to walk under his mercy. His mercy. What is his mercy? His mercy is I deserve punishment. But yet he gave me rewards. My goodness. His mercy is I deserve to be dead a long time ago, but I'm alive today. His mercy is that while I was still dead in my sins, he decided to say, I'm going to show you love, Mother Cain. I'm going to show you love, Sister Watson. Jesus died on the cross. Even before you could say his name, he knew your name. He knew you would be here in the year 2008. Way back when he died on on the cross in 33, he, he knew about you. Aren't you glad we serve a God whose powerful cannot be tapped? His mercy is everlasting. His grace is more than enough. And his love is so great that Paul later on says in Ephesians to seek to see how wide, how deep, how great his love is. So high you can't get over. So low you can't get another so wide you can't get around it but one thing i'm glad about this love that it covers you so you don't have to worry about getting around it getting over getting under but it's walk under it and feel his peace in your heart 
It's time for change because it's the time of grace. We couldn't do it under the law. We couldn't do it by ourselves. We couldn't save ourselves. But God said, I'll save you. God said, I saved you because I made you. And because I made you, you are the masterpiece because the master made you. You are a masterpiece. You are my creation for good works. And I already predestined made these good works for you. It kind of works like this, that when you get your job, the work was already there. Now, going over somebody else, I'm going to say it again. When you got your job, the work was already there. They hired you to do the work. You didn't make the work. The work was already there. God created you for work. And not just works, but good works. Tell somebody good works. Because he made you. And our God is good. And so the work we need to do is good. And our master is great. And so the work we do are going to be great. But he called you to do good works. And think about that for a moment. You can't choose your work. God already chose it. And so all you have to do is just obey and reap the benefits from it. I know a lot of us got to tell everybody, I know what I've been told to do. But I want you to take the time and ask God, God, what should I do? Stop trying to gratify the flesh, but let us surrender right now to Jesus. Yes, we have the benefit of his awesome grace that we can sit with him on the throne. But remember, before Jesus sat, <laughs> he did a lot of work. Before you can rest, there's some work for you to do so that when he does come back, <laughs> we be able to rest from our labors so that when he does come back, we be able to sing glory, glory, glory. When he does come back, we be able to lay our crowns down and be with the, the, with the beast and the, and the elders and celebrate with God forever. For the time for change is now. Stop living in deadness. Stop being dead, but live alive. Become alive. How can you come alive? It's by God's grace. You have been saved, not by works, so that no man can boast. He saved you by his grace. Do you believe that? If you believe that you've been made alive, you receive that you've been made alive, and you can look back at that text, and you can say, I once <laughs> was dead because of my disobedience and my many sins. But I can stop right there because that's too depression. So I go down to number four. But God <laughs> is so rich in mercy. And he loved me so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, aren't you glad that Jesus is alive? Tell somebody, Jesus is alive. My Savior is alive. And since he's alive, I am alive. No longer living in sin. I'm no longer dead. But alive. But alive. Live alive. Live under his grace, under his mercy, under his great love, and see the change that happens in your life.
Do you see Jesus? Do you see him who died on the cross and rose again from the grave on the third day? God's son. Do you see him? Then you see God's grace. And you're no longer dead, but alive because you believe in him. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Father, Lord, right now, we thank you, Father, for your grace. We thank you, Father, for Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you loved us in such a way that while we were still dead, you died for us to make us alive. So, Father, right now, we want to walk in your grace and live in your love, forever, forever surrendering to Jesus as our Lord and Savior is our prayer. Amen.